And it was uh, fitting that we uh, finished up with a song about the name of our Lord. You know, there's, some, there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in the name of our Lord. I want to go to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. I want to talk about the name of the Lord a little bit today. And the sufficiency of our God. And I hope that this is something that's going to help you. Because sometimes we know it in our head, but we don't understand how it applies to our life. And we, even though it happens all around us, we fail to see it unless we're really conscious of it. How much God is really there. How much God is really doing for us. Genesis 17. Everybody there? And it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. If you look in the Hebrew, it says that I am El Shaddai. The All-Sufficient One. That's a powerful statement right there. The All-Sufficient One. He's telling, he's, he's telling Abram, I am sufficient for whatever it is. Uh, walk habitually before me with integrity. I'm in the Amplified here. Walk habitually before me with integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence. And be blameless and complete in obedience to me. I will establish my covenant everlasting promise between me and you. And I will multiply you exceedingly through your descendants. Father, I pray that you will give me something today to give your people. And anoint me to benefit, to bless your your folks, your people, your, your children. Let me say the right words with the right anointing for your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, there's power in the name of this God that we serve. And we, when we talk about God being sufficient, sometimes I'm not sure we know what that means. You know what it means to be sufficient? I watched a video the other day, some, I'm sure it was a city slicker, probably from Seattle, was trying to back a boat down into a lake, and as you can imagine, the boat and the truck ended up underwater. Clear down. You couldn't even see the the truck. So the tow truck comes, and they hook to the truck, and they're pulling it out, and the first thing I noticed was the windshield wipers were on. That's called not being sufficient. They didn't help. (laughs) It wasn't good enough (laughs) to to help them. (laughs) That's not sufficiency. Sufficiency is giving you what is needed. Enough to get where you need to go. Enough to accomplish. Enough to sustain, to to live. We took the family up to Lake Gillette. We had a little boat there. And uh, the back of the boat... On the inside has a plug, and on that plug is a rope. My son-in-law told the kids, go down there and grab me a section of rope. They went down, grabbed a section of rope. It was tied to the back of the boat on one end and the other end to the plug. They couldn't get that rope, so they grabbed another one, and they hightailed it up the hill. A little while later, we go to go fishing, and the boat is sunk. <laughs> it, is, it is all the way down. The, the, the battery's underwater, everything's sunk. Again, 
It wasn't sufficient. The boat is designed to do what it's supposed to do, but something overcame its sufficiency. And then you're dealing with the problem of how do we get a boat full of water out of the water so that we can find it. This is no fun, so we grab the pickup and we drag it up onto the shore and drain it back down. We put the plug in and then we slide it out and it works fine. It's sufficient. And I notice as we're out fishing, you know how boats will get water in them. We had, you know, this much water in the bottom of the boat. But it wasn't enough to sink the boat because the boat was sufficient to deal with that. And when we think about our God, we like to think, God, I don't want any water in my boat. God says, I'm going to let there be some water in your boat, but I'm going to be sufficient. Because we don't want to have to go through the, the trial, the trouble, the battle, the struggle. God says, no, you need to go through the struggle, but I'm going to be sufficient. And He knows how much water the boat can hold before it goes under. We don't have a clue. If you ask me exactly how, much, how many gallons of water would that boat handle before it goes under, I couldn't tell you, but God knows. God is sufficient. And there's something in, the, in the, the name. See, when we just throw names, we have a child born and we name them after grandma. Or we, you know, we just, we, I really like that name, so we name them that. In biblical times, there was meaning in names. And I'm not really understanding, I can't, I can't really grasp how come the people lived up to their names, like Jacob being the supplanter. I'm, first of all, I don't know why they named him that. And second of all, I don't know why he lived up to it. But worse than that was Nabal. You remember Nabal? He goes and he disses David, King David. You know, he's not going to help him. He, 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 he rejects his, his uh, request for assistance. And David is planning to take his armies and wipe them out. And Abigail runs up the hill and talks to David and says, Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, my husband, his name means fool. And that's what he is. <laughs> and I'm like, who named the guy that? <laughs> How do you come up with that name? I don't even understand, but there was meaning to the names back then. And I was wondering that when I was in North Carolina, I pulled the car over for speeding, and I go up there, and the lady gives me her license, and believe it or not, her first name was Latrina. And I'm thinking, where did the parents come up with that? And how did she make it through school? (laughs) I'm not even sure. (laughs) But there's a meaning. When we talk about the name of God, we're not just talking about God and what He does. We're talking about God and who He is. See, we, we often think of God as being able to do things. But we, we fail to grasp the fact that it's not about what He's able to do. It's about who He is. It is His character, His very essence. The very, the very fabric of his being. When we say God is El Shaddai, it's not because he can be sufficient. It is because he is sufficient. That is who he is. When we say Jehovah Jireh, our provider, it's not, be, that's not that he can provide for us. It is that he is the provision. He is the one that gives us that provision. When we look at the name of God, we look at El, which means God. It means God. And that is 
used in conjunction with another word that further describes his character. And when we look at Shaddai, it is thought that it comes from a word shad, which is meaning breast, and also an Akkadian word, which is sedu, which means mountain. The whole thing suggests strength and power. When we say El Shaddai, we are talking about God, all-powerful, all-able, all-provision is in Him, El Shaddai. And so... We, we realize, and there's a lot of people that understand that there is a God, but they don't understand the Shaddai. They don't get that part of it. And he has other names used in Scripture. El Elohim, which means the everlasting God. El Elyon, which means the most high God. Elohim, which is God, judge, and creator. And notice from this story, God is calling Abram. When God calls you to do something, He will always bring the sufficiency to get done what you need to do. I, I watched a, a documentary a few weeks ago on, on World War II. You know I love World War II stuff. And it was about the, the war in, in, uh, in Africa and, uh, and the, the whole front over there. And what happened later on in the war, Hitler's Forces were on retreat, and what he would do, the a city would get surrounded, the allies would surround a city, and they would take one at a time. And they go to the next one, and they take the next one. When they get to a big city or a stronghold, they would surround it, they'd begin to, to bombard it uh, with barrages uh, and, and getting ready to attack the city, and the commanders would call back to Berlin, and they would say, Help! We need to go! We need to get out of here! And Hitler would invariably order them, No, you are to stay. I've got reinforcements on the way. You hold that position. There was no reinforcements on the way. There was no supplies. There was nothing on the way. But he told them, you will stand. You do not move. He ordered the commanders to not retreat. One actually retreated anyway, and Hitler had him executed. But what happened was, because they refused to retreat, thousands and sometimes tens of thousands of German soldiers were destroyed, were slaughtered, because he refused to surrender that city, refuse to allow them to retreat back. And see, God doesn't do that to us. He'll put us in the battle. He'll put us in a war. We may feel surrounded, but God is El Shaddai, and when He says, I've got reinforcements on the way, you can rely on the fact there's reinforcements on the way. You will survive that thing. God will be there for you. That's the meaning, that's the power of his very character, of who he is. Notice the first thing God says to Abram. He says, very first thing, he identifies himself. He comes, it starts out and says, Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared unto him. That would be enough for me right there. I'm not sure that I ever want that to happen. Until I die and I get to go to, to, to meet him, I don't think I ever want God to just show up one day and start chatting with me. I'm not sure I can handle that. <laughs> That's too much for me. That's above my pay grade. I'm not sure I can do that. So he appears on Abram and the first thing he says is, I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. You notice all through scripture how God does that? Mostly Old Testament when he's chatting with people, but even into the, the New Testament, you see that. When, when uh, Saul of Tarshish was on his way and, and the Lord appeared unto him, he said, 
I am God. Why, why are you kicking against the pricks? What's wrong with you? Everywhere he goes, he would say, I am the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. I am the God who led your, your fathers out of the land of Egypt. I am the God. Uh, and and he'd go down the, you can go down the list, but he always started out by identifying who he is. Why is that important? Because he has to establish his, uh, his authority, his power, his, uh, his right. As a police officer, when I get subpoenaed to court, and they have me go up there and they say, do you swear or affirm that you'll tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And I say, yes, I affirm that. And I'll sit down and the first thing they'll say to me is, I need you to identify yourself and list your qualifications. So I have to say, I'm James Hall of Kalispell Tribal Police. I went to North Carolina Justice Academy and graduated from there. And I have been through various trainings on domestic violence and roadside interdiction and drugs. And I go down this line of things. I am, I am qualified in radar. I am... Uh, qualified in BAC, I am a field training officer and this big, long, stupid thing that just really gets annoying. But I have to do that because that establishes to the court, number one, that I have experience, I have training, and I know what I'm talking about. God identifies himself and he says, I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Abraham says, okay, glad we got that covered. And then God says, now I have something to demand of you. Before we can go into negotiation, before we can go further and I tell you what's going on, this is what I demand. You are to walk humbly and habitually before me with integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence. I love the way the Amplified brings that out. Don't think you're hiding anything from me. Why? Because I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know where you're at. I know what you're trying to get away with. I see it already. If you want to see that in action, have grandkids around. They're always trying to get away with something. And they think we don't know what they're doing. And they forget that we were once that size. We know their tricks. We trained them on their tricks. <laughs> And he says, you are to always walk in integrity, knowing that you are always in my presence, and be blameless and complete in obedience to me. Two things. He identified himself, and then he told Abram what he had to do. Then he says, I will establish my covenant between you and me. This is between us. When God shows up, identifies himself, tells you what you're supposed to do, and he says, now there's something just between you and me. We need to settle this thing. Ooh, that would be an interesting day. That would be a day that would probably terrify me. But God established that. He came for a reason. There was a reason for his, his, his visit to Abram that day. And it says that Abram then fell on his face, just like you would do, just like I would do. He fell on his face and worshiped. And God spoke with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is between you and me. And as a result, you shall be the father of many nations. God told him what the outcome was going to be. Remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, Hey, guys, let's get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. Seemed like a really innocuous 
comment, right? Okay, let's jump in the boat and go across to the other side of the lake. Is that all that happened? No, they got in the middle of the lake and there was a storm. There was a, there was a massive storm that hit and all of a sudden they were screaming, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And what was Jesus doing? He was in the back, legs curled up, you know, and they're terrified. They're throwing things off the boat. They're doing everything in their power. What did they forget? They forgot that he is El Shaddai. And he said, we're going to the other side of the sea. We're going over there. They forgot that he said they're going to get there. They thought there wasn't going to be any water in the boat. They thought this was going to be a great day for cruising. We're going to go fishing across the sea here and have a great day. Wonderful. We'll cook out burgers. You know, it's awesome. All they had was God's promise that said, we're going to the other side. And then they forgot that he's El Shaddai. See, we have a lot of people that love to go... They, they bypass the first step where God identifies Himself. They bypass the second step of what is required from them. And they want to go straight to the third step of all the things they're going to get. What the, the final outcome is going to be. There's a lot of that that goes on today in the name of full gospel. It's all about what God's, God spoke to me and I'm going to do this. Really? Did He identify Himself to you and say, I am the God that's going to get you through? Did He lay down standards and say, this is what you've got to do? Or is it just that you're going to get things out of this deal? Is it just that you're going to accomplish great things? I'm going to speak to multitudes. I'm going to fill coliseums. I'm going to have people buy my records. And on and on and on. But they want to do it without any water in the boat. You want to do it without anything that ever shows that God is the sufficient one. God will prove to you that He is the all-sufficient one. He will prove that to you. How does He do that? By letting there be water in the boat. <laughs> by, thing, by getting bad reports from the doctor. By laying in the woods all night long. By You can go down the list of things. By putting you in situations that you don't know whether you're going to be able to come through. Or you believe sincerely you won't. And God says, don't worry about it. I am the all-sufficient one. I'm just showing you who I really am. Because otherwise, you would think you could do it on your own. And you can't. He's the all-sufficient one. Genesis 49, 25 says, Even by the God, the L, even by the L of my Father who helps thee, and by the Shaddai who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. I love the way that shows that. But, you know, we often hear from preachers and, and theologians, whatever, that the English language doesn't do justice to Hebrew, and it so often doesn't. Look at it what it would say otherwise. Even by the God of my Father, who shall help thee, and by the El Shaddai, the All-Sufficient One, who shall bless thee. It just brings such a meaning, such a, a fuller meaning to it than just saying Almighty. We just say Almighty. It's translated Almighty. Who shall help thee and by the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, who shall bless thee with blessings from heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth unto and from the, of the womb. Psalm 91.1 says, And he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, Elion, the Most High, shall abide under the shadow of the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. 
See how much more meaning there is in that? We quote that scripture to our kids and our grandkids. We read that to them before they go to bed, you know, or, or quote that to them. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the El, or the Elion, shall abide under the shadow of the El Shaddai, all-sufficient one. That's, a, that's, a, man, that, that's amazing to me. Am I just talking randomly? Or just say something to you? This is, a, this is amazing to me. This is beautiful. This is beautiful what it's saying here. Isaiah 36 says, Hell ye, for the day of El is at hand, and it shall come as a destruction from the Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. That destruction even comes from the all-sufficient one. How is... It's just amazing how much Scripture is revealed through His name. Genesis 28.3 says, And El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, shall bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, and thou mayest be a multitude of people. The all-sufficient one will bless thee and make thee fruitful. Genesis 35.11 says, And Elohim, the God, the Creator, the Judge, said unto him, I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation company of shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. So much more depth of meaning when we realize that we are serving the one who is all sufficient to us. Why don't we experience the sufficiency of God more often? Why don't we have more of that? Why don't we as American Christians experience it more? Well, frankly, I believe it's because we are convinced that we don't need it. If you don't need it, you don't go after it. And I'm not talking about every individual. I think there's a lot of people that understand that their sufficiency comes from Almighty God. But there are a lot of Christians that don't ever think they really need God. God is a Sunday thing. They come to church on Sunday, and as long as the music's jamming and the preacher is hip, you know, nowadays they don't wear any nice clothes. They wear jeans with holes in them so they relate to the congregation. Better, and they have these hip type messages and all that. I'm not very hip at all. I'm just trying to give you what the Word says. I hope that's good enough. <laughs> and so, so many Christians today, they don't need God. They don't need all-sufficient one. They're able to handle this thing on their own. You know, a lot of people in here, as parents or grandparents, went through the Great Depression. They didn't have what we have today. I hear a commercial on the radio all the time that it says that one in six children in America are, are struggling with hunger. And I, my, I, I wrestle with that commercial and I think, I don't really buy that. I, I just, I'm not sure I buy that. Because I guarantee you that the parents of those children have iPhones and beer and tattoos and cigarettes <laughs> and then their kids don't have food. So is that struggling with hunger? I guess it is. But it's not because it's not avail- there's not available to them. The food's not available. It's because somebody's not parenting them. It's different than what it was in 1930s America in the Great Depression where there was no place to go. There wasn't food stamps. You didn't get welfare. There wasn't, you were lucky to find a soup kitchen. There wasn't work to be done. And those people understood far better than we today understand what El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, is all about. Because there was no other answer. We in America, the poorest in America, are far more blessed than kings were a couple hundred years ago.
I heard a preacher mention that this week and it just hit me so... Absolutely. The poorest in this country have more than kings had a couple of hundred years ago. We are too blessed to truly understand El Shaddai. I'm one of them. I struggle with it too. I'm too blessed to understand exactly what El Shaddai is, who he is. And I don't want to be that way. I want to understand just who El Shaddai truly is. El Shaddai is used more in the book of Job than anywhere else in Scripture. Think about that for a moment. Doesn't that make sense? If you live the life of Job, you better hope there's an El Shaddai. When you have people coming one after another after another and telling you, you've just lost this, you've just lost that, you've just lost this other, everything's gone, you've lost it all, you better hope there's somebody up there named El Shaddai who says, I am the all-sufficient one. And he, he saw that in operation. Job 38 says, and let me back up, Job is just as human as you and I are. He was just like us. He had the same passions and the same struggles and the same battles. I want you to think about you. And one day the phone rings and says, you've just lost everything. Your house burned down, all your cattle are gone, whatever. Your, your car burned up, it's all gone. And you didn't have any insurance, sorry, that lapsed. And then they call and say, oh, I hate to tell you this, but your kids just got wiped out. And, you know, everything's gone. Would you get mad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you'd get mad. Would you blame God? Oh, yeah, you'd probably blame God. I'm sure I would. There would be a point where you were blaming God. And you would be bitter, angry, struggling, battling. And Job made the mistake. And it's not a mistake. It was so human where he was saying, God, I wish you were here. Because I want to talk to you. I supposed to do. I lived right. I, I was honest. I, lived a man, I was a man of integrity. I did everything I was supposed to do. And you wiped it out. You took it all away from me. I wish you were here. I want to talk to you. Job 38. And then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. When you're saying that stuff and a whirlwind comes, you know it's about to be an experience you won't forget. And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this? that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge. That's about the time I could see him fall to the ground and tremble like a, like a, a leaf. Gird up thy loins like a man, Job. Come on, gird up your loins like a man, for I will demand of thee. I've got some things to ask you, Job. I feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> and answer thou me. You don't get to be quiet in this. You're going to answer me. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof? If thou knowest, who hast stre- stretched the line upon Whereupon Or who hath laid the when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What was happening? God was ripping him open. God was laying it out to Job. But do you know what God tells us in this? 
Job wasn't in sin in this. What was he doing? He was being a person. He was being a human, just like you and I would do. But God had to show him a few things, because Job's sufficiency was in all that he had. God said, now you're going to learn that your sufficiency is in me. And it's going to hurt. Because there's going to be water in your boat and you're going to think it's sinking. And you think it's going down, but I know how much it can take. You don't. You know how much you're able to, or I know how much you're able to handle, but you don't. And when all this is done, you're going to know that I am the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. I, it's one of my pa- favorite passages in all of the Bible. I just think of that poor guy. You know, it's one thing to get mad and start yelling at God. I've done that before. I would not want him to show up. I don't want to have a face-to-face with him. I want this to be a one-sided conversation. <laughs> Man. <laughs> and yet God proved to Job, I am the El Shaddai. I am the all-sufficient one. And God blessed him. I want you to understand that when we go into a battle and God calls us into something, He is going to be sufficient to get you through that thing. Well, what if I die? God will be sufficient when you die. I mean, it's a common fact. People often talk about how Christians, when they pass away, there's a totally different countenance about them than there are the unsaved when they pass away. Does God have to be sufficient for us when we die? Absolutely, because that's who He is. That is His very character. What if I get persecuted? He is the El Shaddai. What if I lose my family? He is the El Shaddai. What if I lose my job? He is the El Shaddai. He is. That is His very character, the very essence of His being. He will not leave us without help. He, again, is not able to help. He is the help. He is not able to be sufficient. He is the sufficiency that is in us. Would you pray with me? Father, I want us to understand more and more and more who you are. It goes beyond, so far beyond what this very limited mind can comprehend what I can't even wrap my mind around who you truly are but God I I see so much that you have done and continue to do and I realize just a little bit of how much you truly are the El Shaddai help this person help me to not lean on me so much but help me Lord to know what it is to lean on you I praise you, Father, and I ask God that this small nugget this morning will get into the hearts of people here and teach them a little bit more about who is El Shaddai. Help us to understand who this is that we serve. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus.